Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who make Coastal Mississippi such a great place to live work and play today is friday we're getting back in the sort of the the uh, thick of things with the new orleans saints and it's today we enjoy visiting a couple segments with my friend jeff duncan who's coming to us from uh green bay today from a hotel lobby in green bay how you doing my friend hey ricky i'm doing good uh big preseason game between the packers and saints coming up and uh aaron Rodgers against that saints defense i hope we get a few series to watch on Friday night uh, at historic Lambeau Field. should be a lot of fun. It is. It's cool. I've been paying close attention to them. Sounds like the defense have been playing really well. Um, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Hey, listen, uh, as part, we won't do this. <laughs> we won't do this every week. But you and I have had uh, numerous conversations about Deshaun Watson and what would the noise have looked like if the Saints had gotten him. And I read a column over the last couple of days by uh, Greg Coat from the Miami Herald. And I just wanted to share with you the, the way he started this. And uh, I, I'm so glad we don't have this noise, but you, you might have had to write this at some point during, you know, during your uh, coverage of this. But he said this, okay, you can have his $230 million contract, but you have to be Deshaun Watson. You have to feel what it feels like to have ruined your name. You have to feel that, uh, all of the guilt you can never admit to. You have to hear everything, every ugly chant that mocks you with angry derision. And you have to, to wonder if there's any, any way this will ever go away. Would you, would you make that deal to beat Deshaun Watson, to be so rich but at such a cost? And it just goes on from there. And it, and it talks about the chants uh, that he had to endure in Florida that said, no means no. No means no. And it was going on the whole time. Uh, he's, and by the way, they said that was the G-rated version. So, buddy, it's tough. And we would have had to trade so much away. I know you, you wonder why we even got to the point where we were even considering him. But look at what you're looking at today. Look at all the players that are on this team that probably or maybe would not have been on this team had we gotten him. I'm so glad we moved on. Yeah, you know what I think about when I think about the Saints' pursuit of Deshaun Watson? There was a really good profile uh, recently by Seth Wickersham at ESPN.com, who's a terrific writer, colleague, and um, Seth profiled Sean McVay, the Rams coach, and he went into great detail talking about the decision the Rams made to go get Matthew Stafford uh, in the offseason. And the conversation that Sean McVay had with management was basically, hey, you know what? we got Jared Goff. We've got a good team. We can make the playoffs every year with this, and we'll, we'll probably get eliminated in the divisional round. And, you know, we can go on like this for a long time. We'll be successful, but we probably won't win a Super Bowl. He goes, let's go get bold and go win a Super Bowl. And I think that was what drove the Saints to pursue Deshaun Watson. I think it's almost an identical situation. With Jameis Winston or, or Andy Dalton, I think they everyone feels like this team is going to be successful and they'll make the playoffs. Uh, but with a Deshaun Watson, this team's talented enough to win a Super Bowl. And I think that ambition 
is what drove them to try and pursue him and, and get him here, not thinking, very short, short-sighted, I think, about the bigger repercussions that you're talking about and Greg, Greg's talking about in his column. Uh, and you're right, the ramifications of that signing would be felt today, and it's very unlike the Saints. So I, I think in the long run, uh, the Saints might not win a Super Bowl in this interim period, this transition period from Sean Payton Drew Brees, but uh, they also won't have the headaches of having Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and including the suspension they're going to have to endure this year. So in a lot of ways, they're writing this year off, most likely. Um, so let's move on. Uh, man, the, the press conference from Wisconsin yesterday was terrific, and I particularly enjoyed hearing all the sentiment around Ryan Ramchak and what he was thinking being there and you know, doing the scrimmages. And, and, and you know, turn on w, uh, NOLA.com this morning and the Times Picayune, and you have written a column about it, but uh, and your column nailed it. So it was a great job on that. But, you know, that was a, that's a hell of a story, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny, all the local media here, all the Wisconsin media, of course, uh, wanted to write about Ryan Ramchek, so he was requested to speak, and I thought he was really eloquent uh, and candid talking about growing up. And, and look, if you grow up in central Wisconsin, really just about anywhere in Wisconsin, you're a Packers fan, right? I mean, they are the team in this state, in this region, really, and they have a powerful, compelling uh, history and a huge loyal following. And Ryan Ramchek and his family were a part of that. His dad was a huge Packers fan. They used to load up the car. They live about 90 minutes away to the west of Green Bay and grew up in Stevens Point. He played for the University of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, he's a Wisconsin guy through and through in the off season. He married a Wisconsin girl he, in the off season. This is where they come and make their home uh, away from New Orleans. So. Uh, yeah, it was a kind of a no-brainer column to write, but it, it's also a slice of what I like in the business, Ricky, and it's writing about people. I mean, really, this is a, it's a people story. Ryan Ramchick's a great football player, but I hardly even touched on his football ability because it's more of a, a story about coming home and being around your family and the place you grew up and, and celebrating you know, the journey to get to where he got. Yeah, and the, his decision to, to come back and play D3 ball and what he went through and I mean, he almost wasn't—he he almost wasn't the football player we know today. I mean, he would have just faded into the sunset. It's an amazing turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he actually gave up football for a year. Um, it's hard to believe a guy that good would not be recruited at a high level. It, it just shows you how players fall through the cracks, and and he did. Uh, and he ended up at a technical college in Stevens Point, studying welding, and was going to get out of football altogether. And then had a change of heart, enrolled in Wisconsin Stevens Point, like you said, a Division three school, starred there for a couple of years, and then transferred to the University of Wisconsin. And what was amazing about his story was his first ever start as a Badger at the University of Wisconsin was against LSU in Lambeau Field. So you can imagine what that was like for a Wisconsin native to be playing at Lambeau Field, and ironically against LSU, and Wisconsin beat LSU. LSU was ranked number five in that game there was a pre you know the preseason ranking i was at that game and ryan ramchek of course then ends up being a first round draft pick what, what a rags riches story it is it's, again I, I love those stories too the human side of the game and how people overcome adversity and, and find their way i mean talent has a way 
of rising to the top. Sometimes it takes a little longer for some, but you know, you, you, you're going to find your, your, that your peak performance, which in his case was incredible, will eventually be recognized and celebrated, which is where he is today. So great, great story of coming back to Wisconsin and being a part of that. Hey, listen, um, you uh, you uh, you wrote a terrific story about the 53-man roster, what might be there. Uh, Luke Johnson, who actually is a regular on, with the sports guys at Supertalk uh, Mississippi. Uh, Luke Johnson wrote a really good review of the scrimmage and how the defense has pretty much prevailed. Um, you know, what was your take on that? Yeah, I think both sides, the defenses were dominant. And that's kind of true this time of year. Uh, in general across the NFL. The offenses take a little while to synchronize. And look, the Saints are practicing right now, continuing to practice without Jameis Winston. So they're Andy Dalton's their first team quarterback. And, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit early. And this is a really good Packers defense, uh, very good pass rush. They gave the Saints all kinds of problems up front. And then likewise, the Saints did the same to the Packers. Now the Packers were able to hit some big plays deep. And that's one thing I was just talking to Luke Johnson. You mentioned Luke early on. That's one thing I think we should watch. I mean, if there's an area that I would be concerned about as a Saints fan, it would be two new safeties, Tyran Matthew and Marcus May. And it's not that they're not talented, it's that they haven't played together in their careers. So they're learning each other and they're learning a new defense of scheme at the same time. And if there's one thing I've seen, there's a lot of balls getting over people's heads deep. And that happened yesterday a few times. Now we're talking about one of the greatest deep ball throwers in the history of the NFL and Aaron Rodgers. But he hit two or three deep and they dropped another one that would have been about a 50-yarder. So it's just something I think to keep an eye on early on. These, this is not to be unexpected, but I think it's something that people aren't talking about that you know we could all of a sudden notice this early in the season and we're like, wow, Marcus Williams and Ma- Malcolm Jenkins aren't here anymore. We didn't think this would be a problem, but it might be. So just something to think about as we go forward. Ooh, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you know, a lot of, lot of. I mean, there's some, there's a solid base for this team, but obviously there's some, some new positions and some new players that have to learn the team. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's always going to be a subtext to everything that we're doing. Hey, I wanted to ask about Ian Book. He, he didn't have a good showing at the, at the preseason game. Sounds like he struggled also with the scrimmage at the scrimmage with Green Bay. Uh, you you think he could end up on the practice squad? Is he the best third quarterback we can get our hands on now? We got less than a minute. Well, I don't think they're gonna. I would be surprised if they have a carry a third quarterback, no matter who it is, because you've got Dalton and Jameis Winston, who you feel good about, and then you have the luxury of having Taysom Hill on the roster, who's played quarterback, so he can be your emergency third quarterback. So, in my opinion, I think the Saints will only keep two true quarterbacks and have Taysom Hill as the, the third guy. I'll be surprised no matter what if they bring in a third quarterback. Yeah, well, that, that, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Hey, when we come back, we'll start thinking about uh, having a conversation about where some of the competitiveness is on this team. There are a few positions that are super competitive, not at the starter position, but on who's going who's gonna to make it uh, and who is on the bubble. We'll see you after this. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. He's a you know, nationally known uh, writer and um, columnist. He's written a number of books on the Saints, including the definitive book on Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And, um, you know, he's got more books to come, as we've talked about uh, recently. So anyway, Jeff, you wrote, as I mentioned, a great uh, column kind of giving your your take on who you think is going to make it and who may not make it. And we mentioned uh, on offense quarterback just a few minutes ago, but you'd be really surprised if we kept three guys, uh, given kind of where we are right now. You mentioned that. Anything else you want to say about quarterback before we move on? No, I just think the, uh, the team's deep in other areas and it's going to prevent them from having that luxury. So Ian Book is yeah. still eligible for the practice squad. I think he needs reps, obviously. So it makes sense to uh, pass him through waivers and try and get him back on the practice squad and, and have some depth at other positions. Like I think running back right now behind Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, the third running back is going to be a very competitive situation right now. Dwayne Washington, I've got on the roster, mainly because he's a very good special teams player, but there's other guys that could compete for that spot, including Tony Jones, uh, you know, and Abram Smith, the rookie from Baylor, who they really like a lot as well. So I think that's a competitive spot. Uh, obviously, receiver, uh, they've got six guys I have on the roster. I think those are cut and dried. What's amazing about that, Ricky, is the top three receivers from a year ago Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, uh, and um, I'm blanking Traquan, on the... Traquan Smith. Traquan, thank you. Traquan yes. Smith. They are now the fourth, fifth, and sixth receivers. That shows you how much they've improved that area in one offseason. So uh, that's yeah. a good situation for the, for the Saints. Yeah, it's gonna that that's gonna be you know that that's gonna be a strength of the team this year. That that's for sure, uh, barring any injuries. I mean, we we've just substantially raised the bar. And you think about Jarvis Landry, even though he's getting up there in age, he still would have been potentially a number one at some other team. And now, you know, he's uh, he's not going to be our go-to guy. He can be a possession receiver and someone who, he's got great hands, as you well know. Uh, that's that's a luxury to have someone like Jarvis Landry playing in behind Mike Thomas, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he reminds me a lot of, and Saints fans will remember, just a couple of years ago, they had Emmanuel Sanders, a veteran, cagey, uh, really wasn't, at, you know, anymore. He wasn't the explosive player, but he was smart. He knew how to run routes. He was a technician. That's exactly what Jarvis Landry is going to be for this team. He's going to be like a Lance Moore, an Emmanuel Sanders, catching those like short underneath throws, getting open with his quickness and his savvy. Uh, you know, he's not going to be a guy going 30, 40 yards downfield, uh, making big plays. That, but that's not what they need him to do. They got Mike Thomas to do that, and Chris Olave, of course, the rookie from Ohio State, who's very smooth, and uh, you know, he's got the speed to get deep. We haven't seen a lot of those deep balls to Olave yet. But I think it's something that's going to eventually develop in this offense. Well, what's good about what's good about um, the the starting three for sure is they all seem to have really good hands. Michael Thomas has incredible hands. Jarvis, Alave, everything I've read about him is terrific. We missed a lot of short passes last year, so you know, hopefully, hopefully that won't plague us this year. Yeah, and I tell you, it's fun to watch in this competitive environment against the Packers because their defense. I mean, they have. One of the top cornerbacks in the league, Jair Alexander, and uh, he's a Pro Bowler. 
he's been going one on one with Mike Thomas, and uh, he's holding on his own. I mean, it's a it's a competitive matchup. Those two guys, uh, you know, Alexander, I think probably won that battle yesterday, but Mike Thomas still can get open, and he's get you know he's obviously not working with Jameis Winston, so that's a little bit of a, a detriment. And Jameis did come out. I should say this came out in practice, like did some individual work before practice. So I think he's really close. I think they're being just extra conservative and cautious with him. Uh, but he was in pads to come out uh, before the, the team drills and worked on his own. So I, I don't think he's going to play against uh, against the Packers on Friday. But I do think maybe by next week he'll be back on the field. Well, look, uh, everything I read says that Adam Troutman has had an incredible um, offseason. And, of course, you have Taysom Hill there learning. What, what I find interesting, we talked about this last week, but the fact that Taysom's spending all of his time now in the t- t- tight end room, not, no time in the quarterback room. So he's learning and having to be a team player, as you and I talked about. Juwan Johnson, you know, uh, enjoyed watching him yesterday at the press conference. He seems to have such a, a smart head on his shoulders. Nick Vanett's doing incredibly well as it relates to his blocking abilities and whatever. But, man, we're, we're looking good at, at – uh, tight end aren't we well they're four deep there and each of them has their own specialty role kind of their, their own individual ability that i think they bring to the that uh, position group but i think it's going to mainly be troutman and Taysom hill and th- both those guys are very versatile athletes and um yeah i think they will james winston gets them the ball i think they'll have good good seasons because both of them we know can run after the catch and troutman has spent the entire offseason getting stronger uh, he looks poised for a, a breakout season, I think, at tight end. And again, this this offense is going to be so so much improved, but I don't think it's going to change stylistically, really, from what we've seen in the past. I think they're going to be a move the chains, convert third downs, control the clock, run the ball. They're running the ball very well. That's one thing they did do against the Packers defense is they ran the ball with Kamara and Ingram. I think that's going to be the bread and butter, play into the strength of this team, which is this defense. Yeah, Jeff Duncan coming to us live from Wisconsin. He's actually in a lobby in Green Bay. That's why you hear a little noise in the background. But the noise, the, the the sound quality for you, Jeff, is still incredibly good. Hey, we won't go into all the offensive line, but you know this James Hurst, Trevor Penning kind of battle. So far, you think yeah, you thought that there was a chance that Trevor could get it, but you still think Ch- James Hurst is going to be the starter. Well, you can see the the potential in Trevor Penning. But you can also see that he's got some things he's got to work out, mainly his pass protection. At the NFL level, uh, these guys will take advantage of you, and I think every rep he gets is a learning experience for Trevor Pitting. People forget, I mean, uh, you know, Teron Armstead came in from Arkansas Pine Bluff. It took him a while. Smaller school, just like Trevor Pitting, and, and Armstead didn't start till midway through his rookie year. Uh, John Stinchcomb, who came from the University of Georgia, was a, a Pro Bowl right tackle. He didn't start at all his first two seasons. So I think in this day and age, we live in a microwave society. Everybody wants right away players to develop. It's going to take pinning a little bit of time. I think he has the, the talent to be a starting left tackle in this league. There's no question. But uh, he also has some development right now. And so the safe call is probably James Hurst early on. Hey, listen, we'll skip over uh, defensive ends because I want to get the linebackers in the short time we have left. But real quick, Marcus Davenport, just want to. Last week we talked about getting the sea legs back underneath them, getting back into playing, you know, uh, fitness. Uh, how did he look in Green Bay? 
Well, he's just still doing limited work right now. He's not going against uh, team drills. And that's a guy, like, I'm probably writing about him this week because I don't think people know outside this building, Ricky, internally they think he's the best defensive player on the team. He's the straw that stirs the drink. They've got to get him healthy, get him on the field, because he's a difference maker. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to manage him, load management, how many reps he gets. He may not practice much this year. Uh, they want him for, for game days, but he is a guy that can dominate games when he's healthy. they got to get him healthy. Okay, so at starter and at, at linebacker, you've got Demar- Demario Davis and Pete Werner, who's had some injury plague issues. Um, I read something the other day, not from NOLA.com and Times Picayune, that said that linebacker depth is a major concern. Uh, I think with, since you brought John Bostic on, as you point out, um, that may not be as big of a concern. But what's your thinking on linebacker today? Well, I think Bostic signing is directly related to Pete Werner having groin issues and being back sidelined again with soft tissue injuries. We all know those can linger. And he was injured last year as well. So I think they're concerned about that other linebacker position and want some experience there. And that's why they signed Kiko Alonso, if you remember, who came in, practiced one day and retired. And now they're bringing in John Bostic. I think they want somebody there with some experience. They like their young linebackers, but they just don't have a lot of experience. And if Werner continues to battle these injuries, uh, they want somebody that's played in the NFL and has experience. So it makes sense there. So you're not concerned about the depth of linebacker? No, uh, look, the, the, if you play backup linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, you've got to play special teams. So yeah. that's that's where those players are going to contribute. I, I personally, Ricky, I, I've said this all along. My old colleague Larry Holder used to always roll his eyes at me. I'm not a big linebacker believer. Like, obviously, DeMario <laughs> Davis is a star player. But the NFL, linebackers are one of the least important positions. Uh, it's all about who can affect the passer, rushing the passer, and who can break up passes downfield. It's a passing game. The yeah. Saints only play two linebackers. They don't play yeah. three linebackers. So it's it's not – I feel like that position – it's not the Dome Patrol days anymore. Uh, you know, very specialty position. Well, coming back to safety for a minute, you think about Marcus May and Tyron Matthew, which you pointed out a few minutes ago, new to the team, learning the team, learning chemistry and whatever. Because of that, do you think that creates an opening for C.J. Gardner-Johnson? Well, he's the nickel, nickel basically, player right now. He's the, he's the fifth defensive back starter. He's the starter instead of the third linebacker. That's how the Saints play defense. Yeah. So he's a, a versatile player, just like P.J. Williams behind him. They're guys that can play corner, guys that can play safety. Uh, that's the way the NFL is going. Yeah, so uh, we, we we're out of time, but we could talk all day long about the strength that cornerback. What a what a what a terrific situation that is, barring in the injuries, and of course, no no surprises at all with special teams. We uh, you know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun season. Anyway, have have uh, have a good rest of the week in Green Bay, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, my friend. Yeah, back in Nolan next week. We'll we'll visit again there after this Packers game. We have a lot to talk about. Thanks, Ricky. You, you bet. This has been Jeff Duncan for Nolan.com and the Times Vicky, and we'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.